Aloha, and welcome to the Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph concludes his message entitled, Whose Clothes Fit You Best? We're still in Ephesians chapter 4. And now with part 2, here's Pastor Ralph. In verse 20, he says, That isn't what you were taught when you learned about Christ. You were not taught transitory thinking. You were not taught to have a dark imagination as you learned about Christ. You were not taught about sexual impurity and greed as you learned Christ. A different standard was set in your life. This isn't what you were taught when you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about him and have learned the truth that is in Jesus, and what's implied in that verb, learned the truth, is this. You have experientially learned the truth that is in Jesus. You've had an encounter with God. You know, there's some of you this morning, you came to church fully expecting to just be bored, go home, have a good afternoon. You know, you came here because somebody invited you. You were polite enough to come. You didn't expect much of anything to happen. And then I get up here and you're going, uh, how long is it going to take? Only something has happened along the way. Already in just the, the 10 minutes that I've been talking, there's been two or three times that something has just gone off in your brain. And you're going, wow, that's right. That's not me. That's the Spirit of the Lord taking what little words I got and pinning them to the back wall of your mind. And you've experienced the person of Christ. I met a woman this morning. She got baptized two weeks ago. And, and when we baptized her, she had this um, anxious look in her eyes, this kind of frightened deer in the headlights look in her eyes. And you can tell she's been around the block in the world and the world's beat her up before. And, and, and she's just, just, just tense about life. I saw this morning, I couldn't believe the peace that just, it just exudes from her presence. She's experienced God. And so he's coming to us and, and he's talking about us living out a Christianity that's not some dead philosophy, some religion. It's a, I have a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit and he's doing things in my life. And he says that since we've learned the truth that's in Christ, verse 22, Throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. When he says, throw off your old evil nature, he says, throw it off like a coat. Get rid of it. Dump it. Throw it off. Now, what is our evil nature? Well, I think our evil nature is, it starts with, I'm first and everybody else is second. You know, God doesn't count for much, neither do people. It's the opposite of what Jesus said when he said the most important thing is to love the Lord with all your heart and your mind and your soul and then love your neighbor as yourself. That's where my evil nature starts. But as I, as I, I look at this evil nature thing, a lot of this just has to do with survival. Think about it in, in, in these ways. Think about the peer influencers in your life. You know, I can go all the way back I can actually remember some names. I, I remember a, a kid named Reed when I was in the first grade that was bigger than everybody else. And you basically figured out pretty quick that you want to be Reed's friend and you want to do what Reed does or what Reed approves of. 
And there are these peer influencers in our life. And sometimes when you're a kid, there's that playground group, and often there, there's petty violence that's involved. And so you, you start learning that if you're a, a boy, that you've got to put on this macho front. You've got to put on this tough guy deal in order to just survive in your peer group. And so this adds something to you. And what you're doing, it's like putting on a coat. You're putting on a persona that was never meant to be you. Later on, some of us got ourselves into drugs because we were trying to impress the right people or we didn't want to look bad in front of our friends. Or people got into to, to sex as children because of what was going on around them. The peer influencers just begin to press you in ways and they press things in on you, an identity, a role that you played, and pretty soon just much like wearing it as a coat, you, you're, you're wearing this thing and you're conscious of it. This is, I'm not telling you about something you don't know about. You're conscious of it. You do certain things like that person does and other things like that person does and you've picked up bits and pieces here and there and you know how to act in, in, in one situation or another. Some of us are so good at it, we're like a chameleon. We change colors wherever we go. Now, I'm aware, when I go into Japan, I can't be me. I have to be the Japanese version of the foreigner who's aware that he's a foreigner living in Japan, me. I go to Mongolia, I can totally be myself. Different cultures put different things on people. As, a, as, a, as an adult person, there, there are people in your office environment and you, you begin to let them dictate who you are and you wrap that persona around yourself. A lot of us get caught in materialism. I got to have something because somebody else has it. And that little competition that goes there. And, and, you know, people always mock that, that keeping up with the Joneses thing. I, I don't think that that's as, as, as evil-driven a thing as it is a defense mechanism. I have to keep up just so I can not look bad. It's not I'm not trying to conquer somebody. I just don't want to look bad in my situation. But what's happening is little bits of me are being covered up by something that's not me at all. And whatever it is that God had in mind when he made you has been surrendered to this cloak that you're wearing that the Bible calls an evil nature. Part of what Satan put on, part of what your friends put on, part of what you put on. And it's anything but God's plan for who he wants you to be. Now, there's other ways that we, that we do this. Some of it's just hero worship. Some of it's pretty benign. I mean... There, there probably isn't a man in this room that didn't throw the winning pitch of the World Series when he was 11 years old in his bedroom. You know, you got in there and you got that baseball glove and you're thumping that ball in that glove and you're winding up and you're going through the deal and you got the mirror in front of you and wing, you know, strike three and it's over and everybody's cheering and there's nobody there but you in the mirror. Or you're surfing big pipe and you're going through the whole thing and, you know, standing on the top of your bed. <laughs> or those of you, know, I don't know what girls did, I just know guys. Those of you that were going to, you're the, you're the rock star with imaginary guitar. <laughs> so we put on a persona, it's not us. Some of it's pretty benign. Some of it's pretty insidious. The Lord calls it an old nature. 
And he says, throw it off like you'd throw off a, a, a ragged, torn, filthy coat. And then he tells us to put on something new. Verse 23, he says, instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. And, and folks, sometimes the translators of all of our Bibles mess us up. Any version of the Bible. When it says a spiritual, the word spiritual in, in Paul's writings, almost inevitably it ought to be written out, a Holy Spirit renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. We're not talking about the spirit of America here or the spirit of God. We're talking about the Holy Spirit who is the person of God who is alive and well and communicates with you. You know, you're reading the Bible and one day you're just reading it just like a book. You come across another scripture, all of a sudden something goes off and you know this is God talking to you through this book. You come to church, seven-eighths of whatever I say is just nice stuff. Very nice stuff. <laughs> the other part zings you. And you know it's not the pastor. It's God. You're sitting in church on a Sunday morning and a guy gets up and starts talking about going to Iraq and Afghanistan on a mission. And you and your wife have made a pact before you're married. You're never going to go on a mission, even a short-term mission trip. And as you sit there, the two of you, independent of each other, you have this overwhelming conviction. We're supposed to take our vacation and go on this thing seven weeks from now. As a result, you go. You've met the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about us having a spiritual experience. And he says there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. And he's not talking about a one-time deal. He's talking about something that happens in an ongoing fashion. You see, if, if left to my own devices, I soon just muddle my way into my own selfishness. And I care little for God or his thoughts about me or you. All I want to do is put number one first here. And he says, there must be a spiritual renewal. You, you can sense it when you start to dry up spiritually. You can sense it in your friends when they start to dry up spiritually. And, 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 and people that used to be tender-hearted and soft and merciful are, are now, they got an edge to them and there's an arrogance about them. And so he says that there must be this renewing that goes on. And then he, he goes on a little bit further and, and says... In verse 24, you must display a new nature. Now, the King James gets it a little more closely than this one does. It literally, the word display is put on. When it says a new nature, the King James Version says you must put on a new man. Well, that's a little sexist, but you get the point. You must put on a new person, a new persona, a new identity, a new coat, if you would. God says throw off the old coat. And put on a new coat. And he said, you do this because you are a new person. You see, that son that returned back to his father's house was embraced by the father. But it was now up to the son to wear the coat that brought the family identity and all the authority and everything that goes with that to him. And he says, you must put on the new person because you are a new person created in God's likeness Righteous, holy, and true. What does it mean to be created in God's likeness? I mean, that sounds so far off to be, I don't even know what God looks like. But then again, I do, because the Bible tells us that Jesus came 
in the image of the Father. He came in human form so we could know the emotions and the thoughts and the values of the Father as they're lived out in Jesus. And so when he says, put on the new person, in a sense, he's saying what he says in another place, put on Christ. Well, how in the world do you do that? What's it mean to put on Christ? Well, when I was 16 years old, I, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this because it was such a corny deal. I was in a thing called a Bible quiz. Uh, you got to understand, this goes back to the 50s, really ran into the 60s, right? This is like 1962. And it was still the 50s. It was still Leave it to Beaver until John Kennedy was taken out in 1963. And the Beatles showed up three months later. And the world changed drastically in very, very short time. And so things that you valued, things that you did that today look kind of odd were sort of normal things. And they used to have these TV quiz shows with kids and, and all this stuff. And, and so I was in a deal, and it was actually a national competition. We went to the nationals. And, and uh, you, you get three teams of three kids, and you all sit on chairs, and there's this electronic device. This was the dawn of the electronic era. And you could get off the chair the fastest the thing would go off and, and, and everybody else, I mean, split seconds, you know. I found out that you could get off a chair. You don't go like this. You go like this and you get off the chair in a hurry. And, and uh, we actually won the thing. But in the process, I memorized the Gospel of Matthew. The whole deal. 28 chapters. Now, as your pastor, I want to give you some advice. Get to know the Gospel of Matthew. But don't memorize the thing. God doesn't give points for agony. <laughs> you don't need to memorize it. And that's not like a real pastor thing to do, to memorize whole goo gobs of the Bible. I mean, it's great if you've got a good memory. To me, it was just a lot, a lot, a lot of hard work. And, uh, uh, and I wouldn't run a quiz like that today. But I would say, get hooked up in the Gospel of Matthew. Because it changed my life. In Matthew, as you see him, Jesus in Matthew, Matthew portrays him as an absolute revolutionary. Jesus is just hard against organized religion and what it does to people. The intolerance, the, the, the rulesiness of it. The, the lack of care about human life. Jesus is a friend of prostitutes and sinners, it says. And the religious people all said that about him. They said, oh, he's a drunk and hangs out with drunks. This is apparently a real person. A woman is caught in some sexual sin and, and the religious authorities, much like the Taliban, want to execute her. You see the sexism there. They don't bring the man, just the woman. Jesus immediately doesn't say a thing. He just gets on the ground and starts writing with his finger in the dirt. It doesn't say what he wrote, but it does say that all of the people who accused this woman one by one left as they read what he was writing in the dirt. And I got a feeling he was writing the dirt about them because he knew it. It's hard for me to think that Jesus and, and 12 friends of his hung around the Lake of Galilee and didn't spend some time, at least, skipping stones across the water. 
He's a real person. And he's got integrity. He's got integrity that's not just the kind of integrity that says, I'll tell the truth. He's got integrity that says that what you see is what you get. Ultimately, that's why they killed him. And he wouldn't back down from being who he was and living up to what he's called to do. And when you read it, it, it begins to change you because it challenges you to have the courage to throw off the old coat. And I don't really care what other people think. I'll drive what I drive. I'll live in the house the way I want to live in the house. I'll wear the kind of clothes that I want to wear. Now, I'll be, I'll be polite about it. I won't go to some, you know, black tie banquet in Levi's. But on the other hand, I'm not going to be driven by peer influencers in my life. I'm not going to put things in my body that shouldn't go in my body because the guys down the road are doing it and they're pressuring me. I'm not going to be a person, because Jesus wasn't, who would shy away from confrontation. How many of us live in a world that would be a much better world if everybody wasn't living a lie around some issue in our family, or in our business place, and everybody, because of shame, won't touch that thing. And if somebody would just go pop the pimple, the deal would get over with and everybody would be happy. And Jesus was all that he could be. Now, here's the point. When we wrap ourselves in the new nature and we become like Christ, then what happens is we become more like us. Not that Jesus looked like me or acted like me, but that I can learn that in a situation, I'll react with the same kind of reactions that Jesus would, the same kind of values that Jesus would, and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to be Ralph Moore. Fangs, goofy hair that stands up, a little bit pot belly, and all unashamedly. Unashamedly, I'm going to come and live out life as the person that God wants me to be, figuring out where in the world do I fit into His story and what's it mean for me to play my role to the fullest in the story. Am I getting anywhere? God wants you to forsake transitory thinking that ends up with a dark imagination and stupid things going on in your life. He wants you to push off the old nature, that stuff that you've put on yourself and others have put on you, that, that is hard to bear. And he wants you to come step up to the plate and put on the new nature, which is Christ allowing you to be the person that you are inside before God with God. There's a saying that comes to us, it's actually a, a writing from one of the early church fathers in the second century. And it says this, the glory of God is a person fully alive. The glory of God is a person fully alive. Now listen to me say it. The, the glory of God is Ralph Moore fully alive. Do you believe that? Hmm? Okay, now I want you to turn to somebody next to you and put your name in it. This will be a little hard for some of us, but do it. Say the glory of God is, put your name there and say fully alive. 
Okay, so what are we going to do? We're going to live. We're going to push aside this whole life of confusion. We're going to throw off the garments that stink. And we're going to put on the garment of the new nature. And we're not going to walk around like this in it. We're going to relax into what it is that God's trying to do in our life. And we're going to become the glory of God. Ourself. All that he wants us to be. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we want to be healthy. We read last week about being a healthy church and how relational that is and how without lots of formality and structure that would be. Today, Lord, we're talking about being healthy us. Lord, throwing off the ill-fitting garments of peer influence. Coming to a place, Lord, where we're very well aware of who you made when you made us and what you made for us to do, and of your story, and where we fit into your story. Lord, uh, give us the courage to leave those old garments aside. Give us the trust and the hope to rest in the new garments, to relax in you. Lord, to allow you to do your thing in us, and to, for us to be the people that you've called us to be, whatever that means, wherever that takes us. Lord, trusting you that that you know the end from the beginning and, and that you have planned for us a future and a hope. Lord, there's times that we let go of things in our lives and we've, we've taken great security in them and, 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 and it's hard for us when you call us to let go. But we let go and then we find that you, you replace it with something so much richer. Lord, let us be all that we're designed to be. Help us to have the courage to do that. In Jesus' name. I'd like for you to just keep your eyes closed for about two minutes longer. We're just going to say another prayer that's a prayer that says, God, I want you in my life. I feel like I'm that sheep that's wandered off, and I want to turn back to you. And if you'd like to pray that prayer with me, I'm going to pray out loud. I want you to pray silently like we just did. But I want you to, I want you to sort of step out of yourself a little bit. I want you to tell me that we're going to pray together. The way I want you to do that is everybody else has their eyes closed. If you want to join me in prayer, I want you to signal me that we're going to pray together just by looking at me right now. And we're going to pray in about 30 seconds. If you want to join me, look at me. And we'll go on from there. I see you, sir. Who else? You want to invite the Lord into your life? Just turn back to the shepherd. And you? Good. And you? Okay. And you? I see someone over here looking up at me. Join me in this prayer. God, I, I come to you asking for you to pour your love and your peace, um, your plans, your identity into me today. God, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and begin to, to communicate how life should go. Coach me along the way. Lord, I want to receive forgiveness for, for my sin because truly I'm a person that has, has kind of ignored you, said you can do your thing, I'm doing mine. And Lord, I, did, I know I dishonored you in that and I realize that that's why Jesus died is to cancel out what I've done, that he restored honor through his death. And so Lord, I, I, I come to you with, with a needy heart, needy life. 
And I, I come not promising you very much. I won't promise to be religious. I don't even want to be. But Lord, I can't even promise to be a real good person. All I can say is that as you lead me, I'll follow you. As you coach me, I'll walk in the coaching. I'll do the best I can to obey you. And Lord, I'm trusting that areas where I have no control over my life, where things are wrong and I can't make them right or I would have, that you will come in your power and your, your spirit and your ability and you'll change me and you'll make me into something that's good and you'll make my life into something that's good, that's filled with hope, that's worthy. In Jesus' name I pray all of this. Amen. Amen.